0: Good morning. 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 Let's just wait here a second in the presence of the Lord. from you today not from any human being certainly not from me from my mind my brain it's your heart we want to hear it's your face we need to see thank you for being the rock that was struck for us that flows with water that flows with honey you took all the pain so we could have all the purity you amaze us So uh, it's really good to be here with everybody here. I love being here. I love being with you. I love being. The, the fact that I'm under the authority of your pastor uh, means so much to me. Uh, also, being under the authority of my pastors back home, especially Jonathan Espinosa, he sends you his greetings. He's praying for you. Uh, so there you go. The Beauty of Imperfection is the title of the message today. Just a little bit of background. Uh, Paul has recently completed a missionary journey and returned to Jerusalem. And he's been arrested and he's found himself on trial. And when it becomes obvious that he's not going to be treated justly there, he exercises the right of every Roman citizen to appeal to the emperor, to appeal for the emperor's decision. Uh, that request is granted by the governor. They're gonna, they put him on a boat, they're going to send him to Rome, and he's going to have a a private trial, a personal trial before Caesar. And that's where we pick up the story. Thank you, my friend. If you're able to stand, would you please do so? We're going to read Acts 27, verses 1 through 12. When it was decided that we should sail for Italy, they transferred Paul and some other prisoners to a centurion of the Augustan cohort named Julius. Embarking on a ship of Adramidium that was about to set sail to the ports along the coast of Asia, we put out to sea accompanied by Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica. The next day we put in at Sidon and Julius treated Paul kindly and allowed him to go to his friends to be cared for. Putting out to sea from there, we sailed under the lee of Cyprus because the winds were against us. After we had sailed across the sea that is off Cilicia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra in in Lycia. There the centurion found an Alexandrian ship bound for Italy and put us on board. We sailed slowly for a number of days and arrived with difficulty off Snidus. The reason it was with difficulty is because it's a word that starts with C and N with nothing in between there. (laughs) Have you ever seen, I mean... And as the wind was against us, we sailed under the Lee of Crete, off Salmoni. Sailing past it with difficulty, we came to a place called Fair Havens, near the city of Lycia. Since much time had been lost, and sailing was now dangerous, because even the fast had already gone by, Paul advised them, saying, Sirs, I can see that the voyage will be with danger and much heavy loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of our lives." But the centurion paid more attention to the pilot and the owner of the ship than to what Paul said. Since the harbor was not suitable for spending the winter, the majority was in favor of putting to sea from there on the chance that somehow they could reach Phoenix, where they could spend the winter. It was a harbor of Crete, facing southwest and northwest. Lord Jesus, speak to us today. Spirit of God, Deal with my heart today. Help me to hear what you're saying to me. Help us to hear what you're saying to us. Change us for your glory, for the sake of your kingdom, for the sake of your honor. Change me. In Jesus' name, amen. So I pray, change me. That doesn't mean you can go home. You get it too. My first note, my first uh, point here is impending disaster. How does that sound? In a moment we're going to return to this little harbor called Fair Havens. But first let's be sure we understand what happens to them after they arrive at Fair Havens. After all this sailing, much difficulty, the wind is against us. They finally get to Fair Havens, but they decide it just isn't going to work out for them. They just would rather be someplace else on the same island. They want to go to a different harbor on the same island that faces a different direction. And so they decide to put out to sea. And what happens to them after they decide to put out to sea is really easy to describe and terrible to think about. It's shipwreck. Terrible storm. Awful shipwreck. Verses 13 and 15 say, When a moderate south wind began to blow, they thought they could achieve their purpose, so they weighed anchor, began to sail past Crete, close to the shore. But soon a violent wind called the northeaster, rushed down from Crete. Since the ship was caught and could not be turned head-on into the wind, we gave way to it and were driven. Just a few verses on, verse 18 tells us we were being pounded by the storm so violently that on the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. You see what's happening here. They've left Fair Havens to try to get to Crete, uh, uh, to try to get to Phoenix, which is a harbor on this very same island, but they're being pounded violently by the storm. And then, verse 20, since neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and no small tempest raged, all hope of our being saved was at last abandoned. In other words, they didn't just abandon fair havens, they abandoned all hope. Finally, just off the island of Malta, they never made it to Phoenix. Verse 41 tells us, but striking a reef, they ran the ship aground. The bow stuck and remained immovable, but the, but the stern was being broken up by the force of the waves. So there you have it. That's the end of the story, sort of. They had been safe and warm in Fair Havens, but they decided not to stay there. So they set sail for Phoenix, which they were sure would be better, but instead they were shipwrecked and barely escaped with their lives. Okay, now they can't get back to Fair Havens, but we can. So that's where we're going. We're going back to Fair Havens, Okay. Let's talk about fair havens. The Greek word here translated havens means harbor, but it also means refuge in general. People who lived near, sailed through, and depended on the Mediterranean understood the need for a safe refuge because of the suddenness and violence of the storms in the, in the Mediterranean. So now let's talk about the word fair. We've got this So this harbor, right? This haven, it's called fair havens. Haven means refuge or harbor, but what about the word fair? In the Greek word here translated fair means good, beautiful, fine. It's the same word used in Matthew 7, 18 where Jesus says that a good tree produces good fruit. That's this word. Fair havens. Is a good harbor, like a good tree that produces good fruit. It's also the same word used in Matthew 13, 45, where Jesus tells the story of the merchant who was seeking fine pearls. Fair haven is good, beautiful, fine, valuable, to be treasured. The kind of treasure that you would sell everything to get. So you put those two words together, what we have is not just a refuge, but a good refuge, a beautiful refuge, a wholesome, healthy, safe refuge, a valuable refuge. But it wasn't a perfect refuge. According to verse 12, this beautiful, safe, wholesome, valuable harbor was not suitable for spending the winter. Note that Luke doesn't say that the people thought the harbor was unsuitable, but they were wrong. Luke says it was unsuitable. The Greek word here translated not suitable means inconvenient and is sometimes translated uncomfortable. Now Luke doesn't say that the place was always inconvenient or uncomfortable just in the winter. But winter is when the worst storms descend on the Mediterranean. And the thing about a place of refuge is that it's most beautiful when there's a storm outside, even if it's uncomfortable or otherwise unsuitable. I mean, there's a reason why the meteorologists have to tell us to seek shelter when a storm is coming, because we usually don't want to live in the shelter. We don't want to stay in a shelter all the time. We want to have one to get to in case of a storm. But we don't tend to live there. Somebody's got to tell us to run there. Even the most beautiful shelter is bound to be uncomfortable if you have to stay inside of it very long. And because we don't intend to stay in shelters for a very long time, we don't usually spend a lot of time and money to make them beautiful or convenient or comfortable nobody wakes up on a beautiful sunny day and says you know what we should do today let's go down into that basement that inner room in our basement where there are no windows let's eat some of those crackers down there (laughs) let's play with the band-aids in the first aid kit what do you say how about if we crank up that emergency radio Staying for a brief time in a shelter when you have to is one thing, but living in a tiny room like that, all cooped up without our usual conveniences, that would feel more like prison, right? I mean, nobody, nobody wants to be confined in such an uncomfortable place unless there's a storm coming and when the storm is coming and the storm is intense and the storm is real, there's something really beautiful about that place of shelter, really valuable, really fine. When there's a dangerous storm, we're grateful for that shelter. And it doesn't matter if it's uncomfortable or inconvenient. And it would be crazy to stroll out into the hurricane, to waltz out toward the tornado, because of the inconvenience, the uncomfortability and the imperfection of that shelter. You I mean, that would be foolish. It would be foolish not to be grateful for a place of refuge, even an imperfect place of refuge in a storm like that. But that's what the soldiers and the sailors traveling with Paul did. They said to one another, fair havens is okay most of the time, but not now that it's winter. We don't mind stopping here from time to time, but we don't want to stay here all winter long. Let's see if we can beat the storms. Let's set sail for Phoenix instead. Phoenix would be perfect. Like Fair Havens, Phoenix was an arbor, a harbor on the island of Crete. It was only about 50 miles to the west, toward Rome actually, which is the ultimate destination. I mean, You can see that they would say to themselves, you know, if we just sailed to Phoenix, not only is it a more suitable harbor, but we're, we're closer to the goal. It makes sense to go. We could not only escape this discomfort, we could be headed toward our destination. And we're not really talking about crossing the Mediterranean. This, is, this would have been a brief and easy voyage in decent weather, relatively risk-free. It's just weighing anchor, hugging the shore, sailing, next, sailing to the next harbor down the line to a place that's more comfortable. A place that isn't so inconvenient, a place that's more perfect, a place that maybe has everything we need instead of just some of what we think we want. Have you ever found yourself in the uncomfortable and inconvenient will of God? Gazing out to sea, wishing you could sail somewhere else, wishing you could be somewhere else more convenient and more comfortable? somewhere that's perfect all the time, instead of this imperfect harbor that you're stuck in? Have you ever said anything like this to yourself? I mean, this place I'm in, I mean, it might be a literal physical place or it might be an emotional place or whatever. Whatever. This place I'm in is okay most of the time. And don't get me wrong, it's got some good things. It's even beautiful sometimes. But I'm yearning for that place just down the line. That perfectly comfortable harbor. That place that has everything I need in this season of my life. I mean, the place I'm in has been good all the way through the springtime of my life. All the way through the summer and fall. It's just been beautiful. But now it's winter and i got to get out of here. Have you ever felt like the place you're stuck in right now should be called unfair havens? instead of fair havens. You know what I mean? The place you're in might be really fine, wholesome, even beautiful. And other people looking in on your life might think, wow, I wish I could be in that harbor. But it just feels unfair. There's a better place. Somewhere where I could have everything I want. It's just fascinating to me that We can, in one season, we can think, yes, and in the next season, think, no. It's also fascinating to me that two people in the same house, one person wakes up in Fair Havens, one person wakes up in Unfair Havens. Two people in the same bed, one person wakes up in Fair Havens, one person wakes up in Unfair Havens. Two people working on the same line, one person goes, one person clocks in at Unfair Dunder Mifflin, And the other person clocks in in fair havens. I've noticed sometimes that the feeling of discomfort and disappointment sometimes blinds me to the beauty and the goodness of the refuge that God has provided for me. Maybe that's what's happening to these guys in Acts 27. They're safely moored in fair havens in a beautiful, fine, safe refuge. But they're in an uncomfortable season. Remember, Luke doesn't say it's a figment of their imagination. He says the harbor is unsuitable. The harbor isn't perfect. And they can't see the beauty or the safety that they're in because of the discomfort and the inconvenience. I think we need to remember that truly fine, valuable, beautiful things aren't usually easy or convenient. In fact, the most important and most beautiful things in life can be deeply uncomfortable, imperfect, and even disappointing at times. Have you ever noticed what a great shelter, a good steady job is? And how inconvenient and uncomfortable it can be to keep a good, steady job after you've worked so hard to find that good, steady job? How about the inconvenience and difficulty of friendship? A good friend can be a great refuge in a storm. But a true friendship can be hard, uncomfortable, and inconvenient sometimes. Sometimes. There are seasons where you have to work really hard to keep your friendship fine. I mean, that'd be different if all our friends weren't human. Just pray for my friends, would you? A good church can be a really beautiful port a refuge from the storms of life. But even a good church, even a great church, can be super uncomfortable and inconvenient and disappointing at times. It's amazing how much hard work, deep prayer, and constant determination it takes to keep a good church good and to keep a good attitude toward even a good church. In fact, it's so hard that sometimes we yearn to sail to that other church, just down the line, closer to heaven, nearer, my God, to Thee, <laughs> where things are just perfect, where things are never inconvenient, where we won't have to work at it, where th- will never be dis, my leadership will never disappoint me. <laughs> You know, I'm. Uh, you know what I've discovered is that. I mean, I don't. I don't mean to s- tell tales out of school on my church, but I've figured out what my church's biggest problem is. My attitude. It's also the biggest problem with my job. It's almost, I've, and, and, and I've discovered the magical solution. If, I, if, I'm, if I'm disappointed by my job and I'm in a difficult season there and I'm yearning to do something else and I really want a new job, if I change my attitude, presto change <laughs> Suddenly I have a new job. It might be true that if you don't change your attitude, you might have a new job, too. (laughs) You know, there is no safer or more beautiful place to be than in the will of God. But the will of God can be awfully difficult, inconvenient, and uncomfortable. And sometimes it's so difficult, so inconvenient, and so uncomfortable that we miss the beauty of it and even try to sail away from it. Ask Jonah. Isn't it amazing how much Jonah got to experience because of his bad attitude? Sometimes we're so human and so childish that what we want more than anything else is to escape our unfair havens and sail to Phoenix where we're sure it will be so much better and so much more comfortable and so much more convenient. I'm afraid it's part of the human condition to pine for what we don't have, to tire of God's beautiful provision and will, whether we're at sea or in the desert. We want phoenix instead of fair havens. We want meat instead of manna. And in our yearning, we fail to recognize the miracle of our refuge, the beauty and the safety of what God has provided. God's will is always a fair haven. It might not have everything we want. It might be inconvenient or uncomfortable from time to time, even for long seasons. But it's better than being shipwrecked and lost at sea. It's better than being swallowed by a fish or overwhelmed by a hurricane or dragged into the depths of a storm surge. It's hard for us to understand sometimes, but the truth is, in this fallen world, Imperfect circumstances are part of the perfect will of God for our lives. I'm not saying that God always wants us to stay put. I don't mean that God never wants us to set sail, to advance toward the next destination, to ignore the winds and the waves. In fact, sometimes we have the opposite problem, right? Sometimes we're like, you know what? Fair havens is fine. Who needs Rome? And God is saying, come on. God has no fear of storms. Sometimes he calls his people to launch out into the teeth of the storm, to sail through high winds, to walk on deadly waves, to get some much-needed rest in a boat that feels like it's about to sink. In fact, to get anywhere with God, you have to learn to go through storms with him. But you also have to learn to stay put in fair havens and endure some imperfection, discomfort, and inconvenience sometimes and not launch out prematurely. When Paul said to his shipmates that they, couldn't, that they shouldn't let inconvenience drive them from fair havens, he wasn't saying let's not ever sail for Rome. He was saying not yet. Paul's eyes were fixed on the will of God, on Rome, and not on his present circumstances and convenience. It was a question of timing. Look at verse 9. Since much time had been lost, and sailing was now dangerous, because even the fast had already gone by, Paul advised them. They would have been wise to listen, right? It's so easy to think those soldiers and sailors were stupid, but Paul's trying to advise me too. Much time had already been lost. Sailing was now dangerous. It isn't time yet. What this means is that Paul was willing to wait for God's will and timing, even if the waiting was uncomfortable or inconvenient. It was also a question of sight, of what he could see. Look at verse 10. He said, Sirs, I can see that the voyage will will be with danger and much heavy loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. What this means is that Paul didn't let discomfort or inconvenience or disappoint him prevent him from seeing his circumstances clearly. Unlike his companions, Paul could see that fair havens might not be perfect, but it was the will of God for that season, and it was certainly fair enough, and maybe even more than fair, especially in light of the dangerous alternative of launching out into uncertain water when God was saying, stay put, it's not time. Paul didn't judge God's will by standards of comfort or convenience. He wanted to be led by God. He was determined to wait for God's timing and leading, and he was willing to look for the good of where he was. It's such a frustrating characteristic. Don't you hate people who always see the good in things? <laughs> Paul looked at fair havens and said, you know what, you guys, it's not so bad here. We've got a lot of really good things happening here. And it's ugly out there. I mean, this place might not be perfect, but it is a God given refuge for us. Let's stick around and make this work. Let's look on the bright side for a change it's true it's true of everything right our jobs our churches our nations so easy it's so easy to just focus on the negative and not see the fairness in the sense of fine valuable good that surrounds us Paul wanted to be led by God the soldiers and sailors were led by their yearnings their desires for comfort and convenience. They wanted a perfect refuge, a perfect situation. They were willing to risk the ultimate satisfaction of the final destination for immediate convenience and comfort. I have to remind myself. That the perfectly comfortable situation I desire, the perfect church, the perfect job, the perfect whatever, exists only in my own mind. The truth is, if Phoenix represents that perfect place, I'll never get there, even if the wind changes. The perfect harbor, the perfect church, the perfect job, the perfect friendship, the perfect relationship, the perfect government, the perfect perfect, the perfect perfect... Always recedes from us. Long before you get to Phoenix, you'll be shipwrecked. (laughs) If you do make it to Phoenix, you'll see that it wasn't as perfect as you thought it was going to be, and you'll start looking for the next harbor. The truth is that fair havens was perfect for them, even though it was flawed. Remember when we said that the word fair in fair havens is the same word that Jesus used to describe the fine pearls? sought by the merchant in Matthew 13. One of the main differences between a fine pearl and a fake pearl is that a genuine fine pearl is flawed. Only the fake ones look perfect. According to the experts, whatever the color of the pearl, white, golden, pink, lavender, black, multicolored, whatever the color of the pearl, here's a quote from an expert, It's practically impossible to find a truly perfect pearl in nature. Every genuine pearl has a few flaws like birthmarks. Fair havens was fair in that sense. It was a pearl. Beautiful, valuable, genuine, worth selling everything to stay there but it was flawed. It was imperfect because it was so real. We have to beware of the ceaseless yearning for perfection in ourselves, in others, in our marriages, in our churches, in our jobs, in our kids. Part of what Acts 27 teaches us is that sailing away from a genuine fine harbor in search of a perfect refuge can lead to shipwreck. These guys, in addition to being led by their desire for perfect comfort and convenience, were also led by their own understandings of how things work. They were very practical people. They were soldiers. They were sailors. They were used to being on the Mediterranean. And they knew this harbor is not suitable. We better find another one. They were relying on their own wisdom, on their own experience, on the strength of their own ability to decide what's the best thing to do here. And Paul was a landlubber, not to mention a religious fanatic who, on his, he's a prisoner. He's the least powerful person on board. You know what? People with a lot of power don't like to listen to the less powerful people often. Because why would we listen to them? They're less powerful. What we see here is the least powerful person has the most life-changing thing to say to the most powerful person on the boat. Because people without power know how to get along when things aren't very good or very convenient, or imperfect. So, these men being led by their desire for perfect circumstances and their own supposed expertise, you know what else they were led by? They were led by their disappointment. I mean, they had had to work really hard to get to Fair Havens. Look at uh, verse 4, please. Look at how Luke describes the journey from Sidon to Fair Havens in the first place. We're in twenty-seven four. That verse says the wind, this is, this is not them sailing to Phoenix now. This is how they got to Fair Havens in the first place from Sidon. Verse 4 says the winds were against us. Verse 7, we sailed slowly for a number of days and arrived with difficulty off Sinaitis as the wind was against us. Verse 8, sailing past Crete with difficulty, we came to a place called Fair Havens, with difficulty. And verse 9, much time had been lost and sailing was now dangerous. That is how they got to Fair Havens in the first place. Slowly, against the wind, with much difficulty, had Having lost a lot of time. Then at last they see the refuge. Fair havens. The winds are against us. we got to get off the ocean. This is a bad time to be sailing. This has been super hard. It's exactly what we need. There's danger coming. we got to get off the water. So at last they enter their beautiful, fine, wholesome, good refuge. Only to discover that it's kind of uncomfortable sometimes. It's a little inconvenient. It's not everything they were hoping for. And it's kind of disappointing after all that work and all those high expectations. So, in spite of how long it took and how hard they had had to work to get there, suddenly they want to go somewhere else. I don't mean to get too personal, but aren't we a lot like that? We work and work and work to get a job where we can go to work. Maybe we even go to college for 10 years or more to prepare ourselves. And when we get there, there are some things we don't really like about it, and we get a little restless, and we start to focus on the imperfections. Or we look and look and look for a new house or a new apartment, and we finally find it and work really hard to buy it and to fix it up. But sooner or later, we realize it's just not as great as we had hoped it would be. I mean, it would be more comfortable if... If only, I mean, it could be a little more convenient if only, I wonder if there's a place where, or guys, we pray and pray for God to give us a bride. We work hard to win her, her attention. We even brush our teeth. We, <laughs> and then, well, there are just some inconvenient things. Some uncomfortable seasons. I mean, Things just aren't as perfect or as fair or as fine as we thought we would be. And you can fixate on the flaws of another person. And then disappointment can keep us from seeing how good we have it, how safe we are, instead of launching out like David did. Sometimes when we're in the imperfect and uncomfortable harbor, we feel that we're being pounded and we yearn to set sail, to escape, to be heading somewhere better than the good and beautiful place we are. But God often puts us in beautiful places of imperfection, in uncomfortable places of deep beauty to keep us from being torn apart on the open sea. I hope you see what I'm trying to say. I'm not saying that God always wants us to stay where we are. If God has put Rome in your heart, you can't afford to stay in fair havens. If God has a land of promise before you, I'm not saying you should figure on staying in the desert forever. I'm not saying you shouldn't look for a better job or a better house. And I'm sure not saying that you should stay in any situation where your children are being abused or you're being abused or anything like that. I'm, no, don't hear that. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that the refuge of God can be very uncomfortable and that even the perfect will of God can seem terribly inconvenient or imperfect even during long seasons. And that the timing of God is Everything. Our safety depends on following God's leading and God's timing. We'll never reach God's destination for us if we follow our own yearnings, our own disappointments, our own understandings of the way things work, the way the soldiers and the sailors did. We'll winter a whole lot better in the will of God if we don't let discomfort and disappointment cloud our vision. Even if the harbor isn't perfect, it's still fair. Even if the refuge isn't perfect, it's still fine, like a fine pearl with those beautiful, natural flaws some of you may even be sitting next to one of the flaws in your church. <laughs> and don't they look beautiful? Even if Fair Havens doesn't feel all that great this time of year, it's still way Way better than the feeling of being stuck in a reef with the power of the ocean breaking apart the stern of your ship. It's better than having to leap into a raging sea to save your life, hoping that by some miracle you make it to land, any old land, instead of to roam. Would you stand with me? Spirit of God. Part of what you seem to be saying is that even intimacy with you needs to be worked out. <laughs> the perfect refuge. The perfect refuge of your great presence isn't necessarily a place always in every season of convenience. It's a fine pearl that's worth selling everything to get, to keep, to own, and to treasure. Lord, would you help me with my attitude? Would you help me to recognize the fairness, the beauty, the safety of where you have put me and what you have given me? Would you help my family here? not to fixate on the flaws in one another, the imperfections of their church, the the imperfections of their jobs, and all that, everything we've said. Help us to be like Jesus, who when he faced great scarcity before 5,000 hungry people, took bread and gave thanks. For what he did have... Would you help us to be like the Lord Jesus who on the night when he was betrayed, when he was dying inside before he died on the outside, took bread and broke it and gave thanks for your faithfulness, not because of what was being taken away from him, but because of what you had given him in the moment. Maybe one was betraying him, but 11 were there. Help us to be like the Lord Jesus who's standing before the tomb of his friend. The first words out of his mouth were, Father, I thank thee. And help us to be like Paul who on this very ship, just before the shipwreck, stood up in front of everyone knowing that they were going to run aground. He took bread and he gave thanks for what you had given him. And then he ate and encouraged everyone around him to do the same. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes for a second? Maybe you're here today and you feel really far from God. You feel like you've sailed away. Today you see, you know... God God has been good. But I've sailed away, looking for what I wanted, trying to make a more perfect life, or be more comfortable or be happy, but you've sailed away from your refuge. And today you want to come back. You want to say to Him, "Lord, I'm sorry. Please let me sail back in. I give you my life. You're the Lord of the universe. I surrender to you, and I want to dwell in your safety. If that's you, just lift your hand long enough for me to see it and put it back down. Yeah, I see that. You can put, yes, I see those. Yep, you can put them down. Anybody else? Anybody else at all? Father, thank you that you never close your harbor, (laughs) and that by your mercy, even if we've sailed out, you can still call us back. Lord, these people have raised their hands to say, I'm sailing back in today. I don't want to run my own life. I don't want to look for my own thing. I surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ and I accept his harbor, his safety, the refuge of his blood. Maybe you're here today and you're, you're sailing in a storm. Maybe you don't even know why. Maybe you don't know what's going on. Maybe you're so confused right now. If you're like me, sometimes you're in a storm and you think, I don't know if I'm here by the will of God or if I was stupid or what. But if you're here today and you're in a storm and you just need God to send you a fair haven, would you lift your hand? We just want to pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, Some of us are in storms today, storms of temptation, storm financial storms, relational storms, storms at work, storms in our physical bodies. And Lord, for our brothers and sisters who are in a storm, we cry out to you, save them, help them. Help them get to the ultimate destination that you have for them. Guard them in the process. Bring them safely to a fair haven. And this is the last call. If you're here today and you're like me and you just feel like you need a little work on your attitude and today you want to say to the Lord, Lord, I'm sorry. Open my eyes to see the goodness around me. I know that I might leave where I am. I, maybe there is a different job. Maybe there is, maybe you are moving me. But right now what the problem is is not my circumstances, it's my attitude toward them. Lord, help me to see the good. Help me to be thankful for fair havens. If that's you, just lift your hand and say, Lord, I need a little work on my attitude. Lord, in Jesus' name, would you help us in our relationships with one another, in our families, in our churches, in our jobs? Help us to be grateful for the place of refuge For the great generosity of God you have given to each one of us. Lord, I ask your blessing on this people. I ask your blessing on these pastors. I ask your blessing on this region. Your presence, your truth, your glory, your holiness your unity, your food, your water, and the safety of a fair haven. In Jesus' name, amen.